Sermon 5 of Sermons on Psalm 119 by John Calvin. Hey, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I will keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep thy law, yea, I will keep it with my whole heart. Direct me in the path of thy commandments, for therein is my delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from regarding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy promise to thy servant, because he feareth thee. Take away thy rebuke that I am afraid of, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I desire thy commandments, quicken me in thy righteousness. These eight verses here contain the prayers which we have already before seen, to wit that David prayeth to be taught in the law, that he might the better serve God. Now upon this we have to note that this is not all to hear and to be taught by preaching unto us, that the same is, as it were, from the truth of God, but we must also be taught by the Holy Ghost, yea, and that two manner of ways. For when God shall have enlightened us to the end, we might know that it cometh from him. It behoveth that he imprint in our hearts a desire to cleave unto it, for without that we shall do clean contrary, as naturally we are inclined. So then, although it be not superfluous to read and hear, yet will it profit us nothing at all except the Holy Ghost teacheth us, yea, and that to discern as well between good and evil, as also to be well and rightly affected, to walk according to the commandments of God. Which thing is sufficiently confirmed unto us in the person of David, for, as we have heretofore declared, he was a most excellent prophet. Now it appeareth that he was not only sufficiently instructed for himself, but God had also ordained him to govern and instruct others. This was the doctor of the whole church, and yet notwithstanding he confesseth himself to be utterly ignorant and blind, except God directed him by his Holy Spirit. Yea, and he declareth unto us most plainly that he had need of these two parts of the grace of God, here by us touched, to wit, to be taught to know that which is good, and afterward to have his mind framed to continue therein. This circumstance also is specially to be noted, that David, in making his requests herein contained, was no novice, for God had already instructed him by his Holy Spirit. And that which is more, he declareth, that he had already desired to follow God, and to obey his commandments. Wherefore then is it that he prayeth afresh, but only that he felt in himself great weakness in this point, and that he was but in the midway? Let us then understand that even they which are enlightened by the Spirit of God, and are well affected, ought not to content themselves herewith, as if they were already come to a full perfection, but rather to acknowledge their weakness, that they are not grown to that forwardness, but that they may fail, and that it is God which causeth them to persevere and to be more and more confirmed. Lo here what we have yet to observe by the example of David. Now let us follow the words which he useth. To the end, the effect of this doctrine may the better be imprinted in our memories. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I will keep it unto the end. Here David declareth that he hath well begun to serve God, but he right well feeleth that we are so frail that we can never come home to the mark without God strengtheneth us. Wherefore he hath recourse unto this high and mighty power by which God remedieth the vices that are in his chosen, which he knoweth not to be in their nature. He see then, that when God stretcheth out his hand unto us, so that we have already been instructors and teachers of our neighbours, yet that we must not presume of our own power and strength, but 
stand always upon our guard, beseeching God with all humility and reverence, that, as he hath well begun in us, so he will perform and go through with the same. David said not, O Lord, I have strayed, but he hath very well said heretofore that he was by nature a wandering sheep, and so shall we see him to be, and yet notwithstanding our Lord had already brought him into the way of salvation, yea, and had bestowed upon him excellent graces, but yet he knowing that he might err an hundredth times in a minute, without God held him with a mighty hand, prayeth to be instructed anew, as if all the rest which he had done had been nothing. So then, when as God shall have bestowed upon us his graces, let us not be negligent and secure to lull ourselves asleep as though our state and condition were not to be amended. But let us rather think with ourselves and consider that he which hath been taken and holden for a good and virtuous man for the space of ten or twenty years might be seen overcome in a matter of nothing, were it not that God assisted him. Lo here how the faithful, after that God hath liberally bestowed upon them great graces, although always to walk in fear and humbleness, knowing that they are subject to many temptations, which they are never able to resist if God continued not the same in them, as well to instruct them, as also to aid them with his power and strength, and to fortify them more and more, as before I have said. And here we are diligently to mark this saying, and I will keep it unto the end, as if he should have said, my God, I have already followed thy commandments for a certain time, but what shall become of it, if thou dost not always put to thy helping hand unto me, as thou hast already done? I may in one minute fall into a great and horrible confusion. O Lord, I beseech thee, therefore, that, as thou hast begun well in me, so to perform the same thoroughly. By this we see what a devilish arrogancy that of the papists is, wherewith they are puffed up, when as to their seeming that a man, after God hath once stretched out his arm unto him, can by and by work wonders of himself, and is sufficiently able to overcome all temptations. But let us rather understand and know that even as it is God that must begin to set us in the right way, so likewise that we cannot continue and abide therein, without he always hold us by his mighty hand, and never to suffer Satan to seduce us, neither yet to be wickedly led by his subtleties and wiles and thus much as touching the first verse. Now it followeth, Give me understanding, and I will keep thy law, yea, I will keep it with my whole heart. Here David declareth unto us in the first place what our true wisdom is, to wit, that we should walk in the fear of God, as also it is said in the scripture that the fear of God is true wisdom. In sum, we have here the confession of David, that all they which withdraw themselves from the obedience of God are people void of wit, judgment, wisdom, and reason. In very deed we shall never have the world to judge thus of it, for we will say, Lo, this is a witty fellow, this man is very wise, when he is able to beguile his neighbours and craftily invent how to give himself to all iniquity. Such is the wisdom of this world. But in the meanwhile, let us note this, by the way, that these words are not spoken without cause, to wit, that all our wisdom and reason consisteth herein, that we walk in the fear of God, and seek after his will, yea, and to hold us to it. In the second place, as David hath already protested, that we are not capable to understand the law of God and the contents thereof, if we be not taught from above, that is, by the Holy Ghost. He also addeth, that he can have no good affection, nor desire to give himself thereto, until such time as his heart be reformed. The law of God may seem to be but a common thing, yea, we ourselves do see that the proud men of this world contemn it as a thing too too common, 
but yet as david hath before said god hath set down unto us in his law wonderful secrets which he here repeateth not in vain that it must needs be that in receiving the spirit of god from heaven he should be conducted to the end to follow the commandments of god now he namely saith that i will keep yea that i will keep it with my whole heart this is no superfluous repetition when he saith that i will keep yea that i will keep it with my whole heart for behold what it is that abuseth a great number of men so that they cannot be reprehended by men that their life is not so dissolute as that they may be pointed at and be not brought to rebuke and shame lo these men be like little angels they make themselves believe that they are more than just before god they feel themselves guilty in nothing for this cause then david having said that he will keep the law of god declareth that it is not so common a thing to do as we take it and why so for saith he he must keep it with his whole heart when he meaneth to show unto us what the good keeping of the law of god is and such an observation as god requireth of us it is not only meant that our feet and hands should be seen to be well ruled and compassed that our sins and iniquities should be so apparent as that they might be condemned in the sight of the world this say i is not all as to use such an observation but we must saith david keep the law of god with our whole heart when as we shall be never so little affected or desirous thereto it shall be a great deal more worth than all the substance in the world but we must beware that we have not a double heart that our desire be so cold and feeble as to say very well i would gladly that god would bestow his grace upon me that i might follow his commandments and thereupon to show ourselves weary and slothful but we must have a true sincerity to walk therein with all fullness and integrity but i beseech you what is he that is able to attain to that perfection it is so far off that there should be any such uprightness in us as that we are not able to think once a good thought except god changeth our perverse nature which before should be repugnant and contrary unto his righteousness wherefore in some david after he had prayed unto god that he would instruct him to the end he might keep his commandments addeth for a more ample confirmation that i may keep thy commandments with my whole heart as if he should have said o lord i know that we men as we are puffed up with pride and arrogancy do think us to have accomplished and fulfilled all the whole law when as we have set a good countenance of the matter and have made some appearance or show to the world if there were no more in it but this yet should it be enough for me considering that all our members do so rage in wickedness as that it is very hard to hold them in but all this should be nothing for it should be all but mere hypocrisy and because that thou hast respect to the heart all my carnal passions and affections must be pulled down and myself in such sort renewed as that i may be wholly conformed unto thy righteousness alas my god and if i must be brought to that i see it to be an impossible matter and so thou must needs put thy helping hand unto me that i might be taught by thy holy spirit it followeth in the third verse make me to go on in the way of thy commandments for therein is my desire here we see that which hath been touched to wit that david prayeth not unto god that he would begin to set him in a good way for he was already entered into it he had already walked in it a good long season and indeed this desire is a very great furtherance unto us when as we may pray unto god to beseech him to govern us and we ought to prefer this felicity or blessedness before all the things in the world and herein let us show ourselves to have greatly profited 
Now David protesteth, without hypocrisy, that he hath kept the commandments of God. Nevertheless he beseecheth the Lord to grant unto him power to persevere therein, and that he may come to the perfection thereof. Wherein we see that it is not enough that when God hath begun and set us in a good way, that we may ever after do whatsoever seemeth good in our own sight. We see here to the contrary that when God shall have taught us, and that we have been apt to learn from the beginning, nevertheless that his grace should be made void every minute, without he did continue it. And so in the first place, when as God shall have instructed us to make us to come to a good understanding and knowledge, he must also grant unto us a good affection and desire. And hath he given us that? It is also meet that he continue the same in us, and make us desirous to walk in his commandments. Finally, after that he hath given us to will, he must also give us to perform, as St. Paul saith, that he do all in all, and not to reward this good will, or any other good preparation which is in us, but to do it according to his pleasure, to wit, of his free mercy. Moreover, let us on our behalf consider, when, as we would obtain any such grace at God's hands, to wit, to lead us into the way of his paths, that our hearts be there settled, as that we be not so accursed as to forsake God, and to set light by him, to quench this light which he shall have put in us. For otherwise, if we be always given to the vanities of this world, as commonly we are, and that we make no account of the graces which God shall bestow upon us, it is good reason that he take them from us, and set us clean without them, yea, and that he take his Holy Spirit from us, although we had been before endued with the same. He addeth soon after, Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not unto covetousness. Here we see how it hath already been taught, that God must have the government of all the parts of man, that it is not enough that he give him a good wit, to the end to judge that which is good, but his courage and mind must also be tied thereto. He hath said before, Give me understanding, and by and by incline my heart unto thy testimonies. And to what end should he incline it? Let us here note that it is the office of God to incline our hearts unto his ordinances, or else they would go clean against the hair. For if we were disposed of ourselves to walk according to the will of God, to hold and conceive whatsoever is written in his word, David needed never to have made this request, or else he should speak it feignedly and after a lying manner. When then he besought God to incline his heart to well-doing, it is as much as if he had confessed and said, It is not in me, O Lord, neither yet in any mortal creature, to walk as thou hast commanded, for our hearts are altogether perverse and wicked. There is nothing in us but rebellion and treason against thee. We shall never be able to walk in thy obedience, nor never place ourselves therein, except thou puttest to thy hand, and inclinest our minds and hearts thereto. We see then what the condition and disobedience of man's nature against God is, until such time as he hath softened our stony and flinty hearts, and that we have learnt to bear his yoke, to be sure that our hearts be so abased and humbled, as that we have learnt to hate that which is evil, and to desire that which is good. Lo, what is declared unto us in the first place. Now when David speaketh here of covetousness, he showeth unto us that these things can abide no fellowship together, as to follow the word of God, and to be given to the goods of this world. In very deed he putteth in here one kind for all the whole. But in the first place let us note that in opposing against the keeping of the commandments of God, that which he knew to be clean contrary unto it, he meaneth to declare that we are entangled with so many vices and desires as is most lamentable. 
and to say the truth, what are the appetites and desires of men, when, as we shall have called out every of them by their self, we shall find nothing in them but a mere contrariety to resist the Lord our God. For look how many thoughts and affections are in us, they are even so many men of war to fight against God. So then David acknowledgeth that he cannot serve God until such time as he be cleansed from all his evil desires and vicious affections, and therefore he beseecheth God to expel out of him that perverseness which he felt in himself, that he was overmuch given to covetousness and to such other like things. And thus much for this first point. Even so, when as we would follow God, let us understand that we cannot do it without great conflict, to wit until such time as all our passions are mortified, for our heart will never place itself rightly until such time as our nature be brought under. True it is that we must not serve God, either by force or constrainedly, yea, but let us see how we do serve Him. Are we thereunto inclined as of ourselves? Alas, it is nothing so, until such time as He hath renewed in us our mind and will. For so long as we remain in this our nature, all ourselves are stirred up to do evil, so that, as I have before said, we shall never be able to serve God, in captivating our affections and holding them in, as prisoners. To the end we be not lettered to follow that which God hath commanded us. Now let us come to the second point, because that some vices are greater than other some, and since that every man may be given more to one vice than to another, let us keep good watch and ward and stand upon our guard. If there be any man that feeleth a vice to reign in himself, let him understand and say, Lo, a combat even ready at hand, and so let every other man do the like. As how? If a man have a great number of servants under him, he will appoint every one his task, he will appoint to one man this thing, to another that thing, and every of them must bestow himself accordingly as he is appointed. Even so is it in an army. Some are appointed to wait upon the ordnance, some other are harquebaziers, some are horsemen, and other some armed pikes and otherwise. Now every of these must have regard whereunto to apply himself, and the same is looked for at his hand. Even so it is with us, when, as any vice, warreth against us, for it is as much as if God addressed us to be exercised therewith, to the end we must fight against it. No doubt there is not that man which hath not in himself some one root of all kind of wickedness, and this is a bottomless pit wherein we are all confounded. But yet, as I have before said, there are vices which more plentifully do abound in one more than in another. Every man, therefore, ought to have great regard whereunto his nature is most inclined, and so much the more enforce himself to resist all those temptations wherewith he may be most crushed and shaken. And that which is more, we must have respect to those wicked affections and thoughts which might in any wise deceive us by occasions offered us. It is not like to be true that David was naturally covetous. Neither yet do we find that he was so. But we read that he was a king, that he had a fertile and plentiful country, and that he might have gathered together exceedingly, as we also see he did. When men come to wealth and riches after that manner, it is great peril, but that they will give themselves too too much thereto, where before they had them in contempt. Even so, then, it may be that David had a care to desire to be more wealthy than he was, although, as the Scripture witnesseth, that gold and silver was then little set by, for he had such plenty of them, as that gold and silver were no better accounted of than lead or earth. He then, seeing himself to have so great occasions to be given and drawn unto covetousness, 
was the more careful to pray unto God to deliver him from it. We have now to gather out of this place a good and wholesome doctrine, that they which are chosen to dignity and honour ought to have great regard, that they be not overtaken with ambition, whereby they might show themselves to be both mighty and noble touching the world. And again, that they which are wealthy and rich be not given over unto their wealth, as in another place of the psalm is said, If thou abound in riches, set not thy heart upon them. And also, that they which might be overtaken with their pleasures and delights should keep an hard hand on the bridle, and be well advised that they abuse not the goods which God hath bestowed on them. Lo, here, say I, in the first place, how every man ought to bridle his nature, to the end to resist and withstand the vices and sins whereunto he is inclined. And next, as every one, having lets or occasions to cause them to exceed, they ought to keep so much the better watch over themselves. For, as I have already said, albeit that every of us is given more to one vice than to another, yet for all that we are every of us contagiously infected with them all, and there is not that man which can exempt himself from the same. Now it is true indeed that David here speaketh namely of covetousness. And why so? Because it is a vice which breedeth exceeding many mischiefs. And it is not without cause that St. Paul calleth the root of all evil. For after that a man is once given to the pestilent covetousness of the goods of this world, he maketh an idol of his money, riches, and possessions. He is so violently carried away with them, as that he will never be satisfied. He is like unto a bottomless depth, which never will be filled. And afterward it maketh him to be full of cruelty, having neither pity nor compassion of his neighbours, making neither conscience nor doubt to fall out with God and the world, so that he may have them, all shall be one to him. Let us note then, that if there be any vice which hindereth us from the serving of God, this is it, to wit, this covetous desire of getting worldly goods. Now David, after he hath spoken specially of covetousness, saith, Turn away mine eyes from beholding of vanity, and quicken me in thy way. When as David prayeth that his eyes might be turned away, lest he beheld vanity, it is as if he should have said, Alas, my God, I had need to withstand a thousand temptations, yea, and they are infinite, which may come before me, and that the devil may present me with. To the end I might be wickedly led from serving of thee. If there were nothing else but this, it must needs be that I must have been vanquished a thousand times, if thou hadst not instructed me, and that I had been strengthened with thy mighty hand. And yet, O Lord, behold, two gates open to receive in the enemies. I beseech thee, O Lord, that whensoever we shall be assailed with a huge army, and being not of ourselves able to resist them, and that instead to be in some most sure place where we might repulse and beat back our enemies, the gates shall stand wide open to let them in. To what purpose were all this? Even so is it in this case, for the two eyes of man are, as it were, the two gates whereat the enemies enter. And to what end shall it be? whenas we shall have neither power nor ability to resist, and go out against them. And so, since we have enemies even lurking within ourselves, and that we are not only weak, but that there is nothing else but weakness in us, and are also thrust out, as it were, for a prey to Satan, when we shall see these two gates stand so wide open unto all the assaults wherewith he assaileth us, we have very great need to pray unto God, after the example of David, to turn away our eyes, lest they behold vanity. Let us then understand that the meaning of David is to declare unto us in this place that the eyes of men are always bent to behold vanity, that is to say, 
that they are ever carried away to all evil, to wicked concupiscences, until such time as God turneth them away. Yea, and our eyes are not only gates to receive all evil, but are even messengers also, as if the gates were not only open, but that there were also traitors within to give intelligence to instruct the enemies. Lo, where and which way you must come, and which way you must enter. Even so is it with our eyes. Our eyes receive on the one side the enemies, and on the other side they send messages, even from the bottom of the heart, to envenom and poison us all over. So then we see how necessary this request is for us all, as David hath made before us. But according as every man most profiteth in the knowledge of God, so much the better comprehendeth he this doctrine, and they which know and understand least herein shall be they which will presume greatliest of their own power and strength. But contrariwise, when God shall have given and liberally bestowed upon us many of his graces, it should be to this end, that we might so much the better understand our miseries and calamities, beseeching him to remedy the same, and to make provision for us against all our evils and vices. Now he addeth, Quicken thou me in thy way, as in the end he saith, Quicken thou me in thy righteousness. This may be interpreted two manner of ways. Quicken thou me in thy way, to wit, O Lord, make me to walk in thy word, that I may live. Or else, O Lord, give me strength, to the end I may follow thy word. We know that when we withdraw ourselves from God, we cannot but commit all iniquity, for which is the way of life, but even that which God showeth us, and calleth us thereto. All they, then, which forsake the word of God, go astray, and run headlong into death, and into everlasting destruction. Even so, it is not without cause that David desireth to be quickened in the way of the Lord, as if he should have said that all they which forsake the Lord, and the way which he showeth them, are undone, and utterly overthrown. But according to the true meaning of the place, we are to note that David, his meaning, is rather to signify unto us that all men of themselves are, as it were, dead, that they have no power nor strength when there is any question of walking according to the will of God. True it is that in all evil we are therein too too pursuant and strong, and so diligent in it as in nothing more. To be short, there is not that he which is not therein too able, but when we mean to walk according to the commandments of God, we are not able once to remove a finger, our arms and legs shall be clean broken. To be short, we are not only weak in this, but also utterly dead therein. The papists will confess that men are weak, and not able to satisfy the law of God except they be aided, and think it sufficient enough if God give them a sign to aid their weakness, as if a man should reach his hand to a young infant, and say unto him, Come hither, my pretty child, and he cometh, and the other maketh semblance as though he would take him by the hand to lead him, and yet suffereth him to go alone by himself. Lo, how the papists have diminished the graces of God! But contrariwise the scripture telleth us that we are as dead men, to wit, that there is in us no strength nor ability at all. And therefore David desireth to be quickened in the way of the Lord, as if he should have said, O Lord, my life is altogether given to wickedness, for all my power and strength bendeth and displaceth itself thereto. Even so, O Lord, since thou grantest unto me a clean contrary kind of life, to wit, that I endeavour myself to serve thee, grant me now, O Lord, that I be earnest and fervent, where before I was very slow and dull, yea, even altogether weak and impotent. Now he goeth on and saith, Establish thy promise to thy servant, because he feareth thee. 
when as he desireth god to establish his word in him and with this addition that he may fear god he confirmeth the requests which he had before made now we ought to carry this point always in mind that when we mean to pray unto god we must lay our foundation upon his promises we must desire nothing of him but that we are already assured that he will give it us that he hath of his own good will promised us without our requiring thereof first for it were foolhardiness to present ourselves before the Lord our God, and to make our petitions after our own pleasures. But it is meet that God himself prevent, and speaketh first unto us. Hereupon, then, we may assure ourselves to pray, when as we have his word for it. According to which reason, David, after he had made his requests, as we have heard, addeth, O Lord, establish thy word in thy servant. As if he should have said, O Lord, I desire nothing of thee, but that which thou hast promised. And, lo, it is it that maketh me so bold to come unto thee, because I know that thou art faithful, and wilt to do unto me even as thou hast promised. Wherefore, as the promises of God ought to give us an entrance into our prayers, and always to go on, even so also after that we have prayed, let us call to mind his own promises, to the end we may be assured that it shall not be in vain that we have required of him. And why so? Because that God of his own free good will hath bound himself unto us, there is no doubt but that we shall obtain, considering that he will accomplish whatsoever he hath said, for he cannot fail us. Lo then the meaning of the beginning of this verse. Now, when David saith that he may fear the Lord, he meaneth not that he would here allege his merits, but he doth it to this end, to declare that he hath followed the same vocation whereunto he was called, and yet notwithstanding he showeth, that he could not walk in the fear of God, but by the virtue and power of the Holy Ghost, which was continually in him. And even so must we also do, for whensoever we shall feel any good zeal in us, we must not brag upon it. For what have we that we have not received, according to the saying of Paul? For what is it that should separate us, that we should not be like unto the most wicked? Cometh it of our own nature? No, surely, it must needs be, then, that it is God which hath put to his helping hand. And so, whatsoever goodness is in us, it is a testimony of the good will which God beareth us, and that he will be our Father and Saviour. Lo here, why David setteth this point foremost, as though he would ratify the promises of God. Now he concludeth, Take away my rebuke that I am afraid of, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I desire thy commandments, O quicken me in thy righteousness. We shall never be able to know what the rebuke which David here speaketh of is, except we have regard whereunto all his whole drift heretofore tendeth, and to what end, to wit, that God would defend and keep him, and also guide him as it were with his hand, to the end that, as he had begun well, he might also in like manner persevere and continue. Now the shame which all the faithful ought to fear is that God suffereth them not to be confounded, that when they have for a certain time walked well, they might not in the end give themselves to wickedness, that the latter part of their life might manifest that it was not well and surely rooted within, but was hypocritical and dissembled. Behold the rebuke which David feared to it, that after he had walked well, that God would not leave him as a confounded man, and namely he saith, For thy judgments are good, as if he should have said, Alas, my God, so that I follow the same which thou hast commanded me, although that men speak evil of me and slander me for it, all is one to me, when as my conscience shall be pure and clean, and that thou art my warrant and witness, it is enough for me. 
behold then o my god the rebuke from which i desire to be delivered to wit that thou suffer me not to be wickedly given nor that i depart from thy commandments but let my life and conversation be agreeable to thy word o oh, that sufficeth me and let men speak what they list their judgment is false and i appeal from them then to conclude he saith my delight is in thy commandments o oh, quicken me in thy righteousness the righteousness of god oftentimes is taken for the grace which god useth towards his children or at the leastwise wherewith he conducteth them but he setteth down righteousness here for right and equity he hath said before quicken me according to thy word now by and by after followeth righteousness neither must we think this to be strange for we have showed here before that david speaking of the commandments of god after that he hath used his term namely of these words ordinances and statutes he taketh other words as in this place after he hath said quicken me in thy word he saith soon after in thy righteousness and he maketh also this request that he might be conducted in the way of the lord whereby he would show that it is not enough that we be well affected but that god must increase the same in us yea he must conduct and quicken us as here he telleth us for it is so far off that of ourselves we can do any good that we are not able once to think a good thought as st paul saith lo then how david desired to be quickened but that was in protesting that he was as touching himself and his own nature but as it were a condemned man and herein must we also do the like for we must go unto our god as men condemned in ourselves beseeching him that he would quicken us and when he shall have caused us to feel his grace and that we have stayed ourselves thereon let us say we beseech thee o lord that since it hath pleased thee to begin in us well doing that thou wouldst also perform the same in us and according to this doctrine let us prostrate ourselves before the majesty of our good god in acknowledging our faults beseeching him that it would please him to make us feel our misery and wretchedness whereunto we are given whilst we live here in this world to the end we may walk so fearfully and carefully as that we may be able to perceive that we have received some favour and grace from our god and that in following the right way which he hath showed unto us we may daily more and more aspire to the end which he hath set before us which is to attain to that immortal glory to conjoin us unto our head and captain our lord jesus christ after that he shall have despoiled us of all the vices and imperfections of our flesh and clothe us with his righteousness and that he will not only grant us this grace but also unto all people and nations of the world etc if you enjoyed this recording, please support our channel by subscribing, liking and sharing our content. We would also be happy to receive any comments or feedback below.